So we thanked Hurley and the team for um, buying everything and planning everything. But then the community groups who found themselves cooking uh, and preparing those various meals. So give yourselves a round of applause. I know we broke into teams. So that was excellent. Thank you. Uh, while this session is happening, some of the uh, um, kids and other, other uh, teenagers, they volunteered looking after the children as well. So even that, that's amazing. So thank you so much. Let's just, you know, thank Thank them in principle. They're not here right now. <laughs> um, and then uh, also just Brian and Samantha, uh, who uh, have really been amazing, just planning and preparing, uh, you know, making sure everything that needs to be here is brought here, but planning out the game, strategizing, just doing everything that needs to get done, you know. So again, from me uh, and all of us, just thank you so much for your hard work. I think Samantha's with the kids right now, right? Yeah. So even so, um, <laughs> Samantha, if you watch this later, we are thankful, you know, and thank you so much, Brian. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of you who've just, you know, stepped up, like, you know, clean here, pick this up, move that there, you know, willing to do <laughs> words, you know, in the middle of, of, of a service, you know. So every single one of you, you play an amazing part. And uh, so give yourselves a round of applause for showing up. But then even so, you just keep showing up in your dedication to this church by, you know, serving others and making sure um, things are taken care of. So I just love that family aspect. That's actually the topic or the, the, the emphasis of this final session. We know Jesus uh, in, in, um, in Mark 6 said, you know, come away with me. So we looked at coming away, retreating in the morning yesterday. We looked at coming away with Jesus, but then by ourselves as a community. Um, today, I want to foc focus on the by ourselves component. Last night, it was to Jesus, and the principle of this whole weekend is coming away. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm going to read uh, two passages from 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. But before I do, uh, a quick little story about this finger. This is my pointy finger, all right? Brian's heard all about this in the office, so sorry, bro. Second time around for you. So, um, I, as you guys know, I'm sorry, here we go again. I'm training for an ultra marathon. It's like two weeks away, so this is crunch time. And the major focus of these next two weeks is to not get sick and to not get injured. Because then, I mean, it's been at least six months of intense preparation for this. It would be terrible if through an injury, like hitting my knee on this pulpit earlier, or, or through illness, um, I'm I, unable to compete. And so that's like the thing. I'm that's the main priority right now. Ironically, this last week, we've celebrated another birthday in our house, and it was just balloons scattered all over the floor. And, you know, many of us nearly sprained our ankles and tripped over balloons. But anyway, that's how we roll. So um, with this in mind, I was play fighting with Travis uh, in my kitchen uh, last week. He recently started taekwondo, and so he wants to take some of his moves out for a spin on his daddy. And so, you know, I was throwing punches, and he was blocking them pretty well blocking them and then you know one particular punch that he blocked my finger got in the way and I tell you it was painful something happened with my finger the next day it turned sort of purpley blue I couldn't bend it fully um, and uh, and yeah it was it was pretty pretty sore it got worse the next day um, and so you know I thought to myself ah oh, it's just my left finger it's not even my strong hand it's just my left finger I'm sure it won't make much of a difference to my life. I mean, I did say to Travis, hey, when you go back to your class, just tell your master, you know, that you've defeated your father and there's proof. 
there's proof that you have defeated your fall. Maybe they'll give you another color belt. They didn't want to do that, but anyway. Um, so there's one benefit for Travis, but I, I just thought it's probably not going to affect my life to the greatest extent. It's, I'm just going to forget about it. Uh, until the next day, I did try to prepare lunch. Uh, we had some leftover chicken, and I wanted to sort of make chicken mayonnaise sandwiches for my wife and I, and I realized that I need to be able to hold a fork with my left hand, and this pointy finger is actually quite vital in order to be able to stabilize and, and operate a fork correctly. Fork, you know? So, um, so there, uh, everyone's like, ah. So, so here we go. So it's like, okay, I actually do need, need that. So to make matters even worse, it was a chicken mayo sandwich, and I brought the last bit of mayonnaise from my house, tried to swing it out and get everything, but it, I needed to actually cut this bottle. And so here I went, got one of our scissors, pair of scissors in our office, and I was trying to cut open the mayo. And in the process of doing that, I cut the tip of my right pointy finger <laughs> right down the middle. So from here onwards, my fingerprints in the databases are no longer valid, all right? There is a new scar on the tip of my finger. And so I cut my right pointy finger, thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, at least I don't run with my fingers, all right? I'm so thankful that this is not going to affect me. Um, but again, I thought it wouldn't impact me much until I try to type now and operate my mouse wheel with this pointy finger that is now band-aided up, okay? Um, and so, uh, you know, it's, it's just f weird because you kind of, feel that mouse, you know, you gotta, he's got to respond to you, but with a band-aid in between, it's just, I'm, is this working, or is this, what's happening over here, so it's just ruining my day, so I'm in pain, I can't use my mouse wheel, I can't type correctly, this one is sore, I can't even hold a fork correctly, so anyway, the story gets worse, because I, I put some, put some medication on there, band-aid it up, by the end of the day, I thought, you know what, it's probably fine, I do need to do a quick training session, so what I did is I took the bandaid off, I don't want to run with that on my finger, and I start running, not realizing that I'm doing interval training, which is I push my heart rate up to its maximum in intervals, and so the pressure in my body, the blood pressure is so bad that blood is now gushing out of my pointy finger to the extent that I have to run like a fool with my finger up in the air because I took the bandaid off. I, you know, and so here is this guy running up and down Elizabeth Street pointing at something and every vehicle's like, what? Like, what's happening? And I'm running speedily with my finger up in the air because I'm not joking. It's gushing out over my feet. If I bend over, it's just blood everywhere, you know? And it's just, it's just my fingers. I mean, it's not going to affect me much, right? The story actually gets even worse because, of course, I get back to the office and I have to band-aid it up again and I've had to make a few payments, you know, in pre preparation for this uh, retreat, and now I can't use my fingerprint touch ID verification on my phone or my computer to open anything up. It's just like I thought, ah, oh, these are insignificant. I've got four other fingers on each hand. It's my left pointy finger. It's a little cut on the tip. Life's going to be fine, but it turns out that these fingers play a vital role in my day-to-day -day existence. So what is the point of that story? Well, let's read 1 Corinthians 12 together. We're going to read from verse 14, Liam, to verse 27. 1 Corinthians 14, sorry, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14 to 27. It goes like this. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized 
into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body, sorry, did I start reading from verse 12? Anyway, it was a good couple of verses. Verse 14, here we go, track with me. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the, the, the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I've got no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, if the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, sorry, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, pointy finger, exhibit A, or indispensable, they, well, they are weaker, but they are indispensable. You get, what I'm, you get what he's trying to say. Heavens, where are my glasses? And I brought them with, but they're just sitting there gathering dust. Don't worry, Liam, I'll make it through this one. Okay. <laughs> the eye is saying to the brain right now, put on the pair of glasses. Like, I need them to help you out here. Verse 23, <laughs> and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and on our unpresentable parts, uh, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Let's just read Romans 12, verse 3 to 18. as a final passage to drive this point home. Romans 12, verse 3 starts off like this. For by the grace given to me, Paul, he says, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment and according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, and the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who, who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, and outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in your zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. 
Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thanks. Oh, sorry, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Never avenge yourselves. I think it's up to that I'm going to read. So here we have this, uh, these, these two rich passages that describes how we relate to one another one another in terms of a body and body parts, members of a body. Individuals, yes, but you're not individualistic. You are interdependent. You are independent in one sense, but interdependent. You need others and others need you. And so the first point I want to make is that maybe you consider yourself just a pointy finger. Like I've thought, ah, oh, it's just my pointy finger. It's my left pointy finger. And you've thought, ah, you know, I'm not that much of a, of a, of a key player. I don't really leave a massive imprint or fingerprint in this community. There's other fingers out there. If a hand has five, I'm just one, and I'm on the end of the row. And that is actually not true. According to how Paul describes the body of Christ and how each part is vital, and the word vital is appropriate. Vital means life to, that you add life to a body. Actually, you are very, very much important. And if you are not doing what God has called you to do, if you do not play your part, if you don't act like that member, it affects the whole body in significant ways. I was so reminded of that. I never ever think of my pointy fingers. They don't, I don't dream about them. I don't, ad, I don't admire them. I don't sit in the mirror. I don't, but when they hurt, oh my goodness, it's the only thing I can think about. It impacted me in ways that I didn't even realize. And so that is the first thing I want to leave with you, is that you are, in fact, very important. You are, it doesn't matter what part you play. The part must be played. It is vital in terms of the kingdom of God, in terms of the body of God. And you know, the, this is a metaphor. Paul is saying, let me give you a picture of what the church is like. And he doesn't just want to impress people with an amazing analogy. This is, and everybody goes, what a great idea. That is intellectually stimulating when you define it in such terms. Biologically, it's correct. It's, you know, it's just, he doesn't want it to just be this metaphor because the metaphor exists to give meaning to the reality. He's, he's sharing the metaphor because he's saying in real life, this is how it works. That if you do not play your part, the body suffers. And if you do, the body is built up. It functions well. And, of course, the Bible's full of other metaphors, a building. You know, you take bricks and out, of a, out of a building, especially down towards the bottom. It compromises the structural integrity. It's bad for the building if the stones are rolling, rolling stones, you know. You should be a living stone, but you should play your part in the wall, not a rolling stone. You know, be out there all alone. Thank you, Dad joke. Vending machine. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good, Brian. It's good. I got you. <laughs> and so, you know, this is, a, this is a brilliant metaphor because he positions your, the part that you play, he, he positions it in terms of unity. It's like we want to be a church that is blessed, and the Bible says God blesses when we're in unity, and we're in unity when everybody does their part or at least sees the part they do as significant and doesn't downplay it. It's very important. 
And I think about just the next 12 months. You know, we shared the news that Tan and I would be moving on ultimately. And if this is true, that there's going to be a, a season where our church moves from me at the helm, leading the team that leads the church to just a team only as we discover and trust the Lord to lead us to, in terms of who would fill these shoes, that, that it, specifically in that season, but now, of course, it always is true, but I'd say especially now that this is coming, I want to encourage you, City Gates, to play your part. Play your part. I mean, it is vital, especially now. It is always vital. It has always been the case. That has always been our job. It's been my job to encourage you to play your part. But considering what the seasons ahead of us as a church, this hits home even more, doesn't it? And, I mean, this is what a covenant community looks like. You know, covenant is more than a commitment. A covenant um, is really like that old school vow where we say, I, you know, for better or for worse, I'm, I'm in this. Uh, commitments is like, you, you know, someone once described that, you know, to take honor your word. A commitment is kind of like making appointment with yourself in the future. It's like, I said I'm going to do it, and then you show up doing it. That's a commitment. But a covenant is actually making appointment with someone else in the future, saying, I will see you there. I'm not going to give up on you. That's, covenant carries more ways. Commitment's good, but covenant, that's, that's, that's got some teeth to it. Because it's not just you, you're saying someone else is impacted by this decision as well. And we live in a society that is all FOMO and YOLO. We don't want to miss out. And so, you know, and, and you only live once. And so often people tap out of commitments because something better or seemingly better comes out. But a covenant is a for better or worse scenario. And so even if the thing you said you're going to do in terms of serving the church is worse than what you could be doing, Covenant says, for better or for worse. So even if it's worse, I'm here. I play my part. I do what is required. That's a covenant community. Not just because it's good to keep your word, but because you are a member of a body. And if my fingers hurt and are chopped off, my hands don't function, my body does not function, you are, it is impacting more than just yourself. That is the role that you, that is how significant, that's how important it is. So my, my encouragement is be devoted to the body of Christ. Have a covenant approach to, to saying yes to this community, for better or for worse. So that's the first one. The second one is the, the reality that my other body, body parts, I didn't even share the story that before I went out for a run, remember I have a sprained left pointy finger and I have a injured cut right pointy finger. I try to tie my shoelaces. I mean, it's a joke. It's a joke. I mean, luckily I did it in the privacy of the washroom at the waypoint. Nobody saw it, but it was a long ordeal. Uh, uh, and again, my other body parts needed to kick in. They helped in, in the healing of my finger. They put polysporin on the tip of my finger and wrapped the Band-Aid around that one. And, and the, the other ones compensated because I couldn't quite bend it totally. So these fingers jumped in. The other body parts, they were so involved in the healing of the two broken body, body parts. And that's another encouragement. The last one I want to leave with you is, friends, when we see other body parts, other members of our body cut or, or sprained, we should notice and jump in and assist and take responsibility for them if they are suffering, if they are down, if they are weak, if they are sad. And so the question is, do we notice and care for our brothers and sisters slash our co-toes, our, our other fingers? I mean... 
you know, the other members of our body because they are vital. I love what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 3.8. Now we live, Paul is saying, now we live when you are standing fast in the Lord. He is saying, I want to notice your spiritual temperature. If it's cold, I want to blow uh, on, on those embers. I want to see you on fire. If you are weak, I want to come and bear you. I wanna, if you are overwhelmed, I want to shoulder the weight. I want to bear the burden. I want to notice where you are at in your walk with the Lord. And if you're not well, I want to be there to help. Like that's what, that's how members of the body, that, that they jump in, they compensate because they want that broken member not to stay like that and go, ah, oh, that's just, you know, that's just the bunion toe. It's just, that's the how it is, you know. It's, sorry, <laughs> some of you guys have just threw up in your mouth a little bit, hey? <laughs> we, but we don't want to be, we don't want to just go, ah, oh, that's just, that's just the way they are. But actually, if that's a weakness that can be, can be strengthened, we want to come alongside them, not write them off, you know. And that kind of approach to the body of Christ is not necessarily gift dependent. Because as we read in Romans, we, we realize, yeah, yeah, people have got different gifts. And so often we swing the gift pendulum too far where we basically say, oh, it's not my gift. Someone else can step in. But actually so much of what Paul goes on, thank you for the amen. So, so much of what Paul lists in the rest of Romans 12 are actually things that are not connected to your gifting. They're not necessarily connected to your gifting. And so don't justify your absence or your non-involvement by saying, it's not my gift. That's not, that's not a fair cop-out. So actually, I want to remind you of this thing that we have as a church. It's called the One Another Charter. And I would like for you to take one. And we're going to go through that together. Because most of the things that the Bible instructs you and I as members of His body to do with and for and alongside one another is not actually gift-dependent. This is just stock standard, all disciples, all followers of Jesus ought to avoid things, be things, say things, and do things. That's the way that we've grouped our one another charter, all right? There are things to avoid. There are things that you should be. There are things that you should say, and there are things you should do. So let's just go through this list together. This is, I think, what a healthy body, how a healthy body functions. Are you ready? I think everyone's got one. So on the left, this avoid these things. Sounds like a great idea. First one is don't, don't be judgmental. Don't pass judgment on, on one another. Don't lie to one another, of course. Be honest, be truthful. We speak the truth in love, right? Don't speak evil against one another. Don't grumble against one another. Don't bicker and fight, bite and devour. And in doing so, ultimately consuming each other. That's like a form of cannibalism, if you would put it that way. You know, eating up the other parts of the body. Let's not bite and devour each other, consuming each other. Don't be conceited, so humility. Don't provoke one another. Don't envy one another. Again, don't look at what they have and their gift and go, oh, I wish I was like them. And because in doing so, you neglect the part that you should play. Be thankful for how God's wired you and He has gifted you. Don't... Do anything from selfish ambition or conceit. Again, think about the other members, not about yourself. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. So, things to avoid, things to be. Clothe yourselves with humility. I love that because it means just like you put clothes on every morning, 
just put on some humility as well. Like this is a daily thing. Every day we humble ourselves. Every day we say, it's not me. It's about Jesus and it's about others. Loving God and loving people. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Can I be honest with you? This this is something that I I suck at and I, I, I need to be better at. I'm not always kind. I'm not always tender. I'm a bit prickly. I have some sharp edges. And I hurt my family as well. This morning, I had to apologize to my wife and face the fact that, that I've lacked kindness in certain areas again. This is, a, this is a tough one for me. I know that I often cut other valuable members of the body because of the way I am. It's not right. I, don't, I can't say, well, it's not my gift. Sorry. You know. Be at peace with one another. Live in harmony with one another. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Bearing with one another in love. I love that about our community. That there is a real sense that we bear one another's loads. There's some people that can't be here this weekend because they, they do bear a load. Call them on Friday and say, hey, just wanna know, I want you to know we're thinking about what you're going through. Wish you could be with us, but this is something I know you need to carry. You can't be here. Others in our community are going through some difficult times, and I'm seeing the community groups. So, you know, I don't want to uh, expose you right now, but we, we are aware of that. Housing situations, things like that, that's tough. It's amazing to see how the community is coming alongside, saying, hey, can we help shoulder this load? This must be tough to carry. We want to, how can we be of, of us? I love that. Bearing with one another. Having the same care for one another. The way that you care for your body, that's even the way Paul describes how, how husbands should love their wives. It's like, hey, you look after your own body, right? Look after, look after your wife the same way. She's your one flesh. It's like that actually even in terms of the church. It, we're members of the same body. So you'd be a fool if you neglect an infected finger, thinking, oh, it's just a finger, it's not part of me. It's part of you. It's going to affect the rest of your hand eventually. Have the same care for one another. So that's what, how, we, how, the, how we should be. Then what we should say, this is our words, encouraging, instructing, exhorting, building one another up. Again, I love being funny. I, lo I love laughing at things. But again, sometimes I can cross over a line where actually my joking breaks down. It doesn't build up. It's, 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 a, it's a groove. It's an erosion. It's some erosion in my own life. I know. I'm pretty self-aware that... Uh, shouldn't laugh at the expense of other people build them up rather addressing one another with truth whether it's psalms hymns and spiritual songs you know the word of christ dwelling and then we we dwelling in us doing our devotions taking god's word into us not just so that it can stay inside so we can teach and admonish one an one another when we make mistakes exhibit a we confess our sins to one another we pray for we call someone i said please I, I messed up would you pray with me why so that we may be healed and greeting one another i mean that's in the bible you know it's that just means you acknowledge someone else's presence like you're valuable i saw you come in hey how's it going it's like you matter that's what it means when you greet someone and then finally the do list you know love one another honoring one another like giving credit where credit is due. That's why we do rounds of applauses and we, we name people for what they've done. We show honor. We forgive one another when we've made mistakes. We don't hold grudges. We don't make someone pay for their sin. 
against us because Jesus paid for it. We forgive. We keep short accounts. We stir one another up towards love and good deeds. It's part of building up. You can do it. Come on. Let's do this together. We welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. There are no cliques. There are no fences around our social circles. Everyone is welcome. We show hospitality to one another without grumbling because sometimes grumbling comes alongside with hospitality. We wash one another's feet. That's a, a, a Bible code for serving, serving one another. Uh, foot washing was something servants did in a, in a household. And when Jesus washed his disciples' feet, he said, listen, you won't follow my example. I'm serving you. You do, do that to others. That's washing one another's feet. So here's our one another charter. These are ways that we could stay healthy as a body. Put this up on your fridge, please. Go through it every morning. Maybe pick one and say, how can I be that today? How can I say this today? How can I make sure I avoid this today? That's what it means. I love 1 Corinthians 14. We don't have to read it now, but verse 26, it says, when did we come together? Each one has something to bring. Here Paul says it's a hymn, it's a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. The point he's saying, when you come with something, he said, it must be done for building up. And I want to say to you, when you walk through the doors of our gatherings, whether it's here or a basement sanctuary or under a tree, who knows where we'll meet again uh, in the summer, you know. I'm eyeing out that piece of property next to the waypoint, and I'm wondering, oh, I don't know. But wherever we find ourselves, when you show up, do show up with what, you, what God's given you. Please do. There's permission. There's encouragement in the Scripture that each one, doesn't mean that each one gives, but each one arrives ready with something. We do orderly worship, and you know, if there's a hundred people, not all hundred gets to share, but I trust that all hundred get shows up ready with something, and the Holy Spirit will pick and choose who He wants to uh, highlight and bring out. But the encouragement is, you have something. You are a vital member of this body. So when we come together, what do you bring? It's like that Secret Santa gift exchange vibe. Everybody shows up with a gift. It's not yours to keep. It's yours to give away. And the amazing thing is if everyone else shows up with the same thing, you will actually receive having rec you will leave having received the gift if you, like everyone else, arrive with the intent to give a gift. Nobody goes home empty-handed. We're all blessed. That's why Jesus says it is more blessed to give than to receive. So I would love for us to end off by actually just breaking into groups and then we'll break bread ultimately. But the groups is, is maybe there's some, um, there's some affirmation. If you know one another well enough, why don't you look someone else in the eye and go, you know what I think you bring? And say it out loud. Say, Jen, you know, this, this, this aspect, you, you're always so warm, you're always so friendly. It's just you light up, you know, you light up a conversation like, you, you, always, you always give attention. You know, your hands up to serve. I loved how you, you know, checked everybody in. And then when people arrived late, there's Jen running around with bags, making sure everybody gets, like, find something to encourage someone else with. And, um, and then if there's time, maybe share, hey, I, I have this gift. It's not, pri it's not pride. It's actually accountability. Let me put it that way. Because as soon as it comes out your mouth and someone hears, I want everyone else to go, oh, I'm going to make a note of that and check in with them. You said you bring this to the table, but uh, what's happened since then? Talk is cheap, my friend. Okay, so can we do that? So, you know, break into groups of um, four to five. I think that would be okay.
four to five, maybe it's within your rows, and let's encourage one another by saying, you bring this gift to the table. I've seen this and it's blessed me. And then if there's time, you share what you feel you bring to the table. And then the communion stuff will just show up. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's a miracle. <laughs> Again, Jen is the one behind all of this. Thank you, Jen. <laughs> okay. So let's do, the, let's do the group thing and I'll call you back for communion. <laughs> All right, well, the point is to not stop. I trust that, uh, that that was encouraging as we got to, you know, honor and bless each other and I hopefully draw out more um, out, out of one another as we, as we say we've noticed this in you and we'd love to you know, see you grow and keep giving in that area. So don't stop. Don't let this be like the, the, the end of that. Keep those kinds of conversations and affirmations and, and honoring keep it up um, as we continue to be a body be a community together um, but the amazing thing is, is that we're a body because jesus gave his body his body was um, broken in a sense jesus actually when he broke the bread he described it himself giving his body he said this is my body given for you when he broke that bread and uh, and um, he was severed there was a brokenness in their relationship with the father for a moment so that we could be brought back into relationship with the father reunited with him um, and ultimately reunited with one another because the sin that he took upon himself on that cross jesus is the reason why we find ourselves fragmented it's why we find our members of our bodies so so beaten up and broken and hurt and we find division in us is because of sin the sin trips us up and entangles we hurt one another we sin against one another not only against the father and so when he cleared the sin problem between us and him he made a way for us to be related to one another or, or one as a body in ways we couldn't have been before because we can just forgive because we know that the sins are taken care of on that cross and we can we don't have to make someone pay we can we can we can forgive others easily and quickly because we've been forgiven um and uh and we've been accepted in um and so because of what these things represent we can really function as we ought to as a body in unity uh playing our part and um and so what we spoke about today can only be possible because of what christ has done for us because of what he did with his body giving it for us we can actually give us ourselves as members of his body again um, and, and function as we ought to. So the cup represents his blood that was shed. It's the blood of the new covenant. It's the blood that washes our sin, sins away. The shedding of the blood that, that, that can guarantee forgiveness. And so let's drink um, and appreciate This is his body that was given for us. It was pierced. It was whipped. A crown of thorns, nails through his hands. Had to carry a cross. Was exhausted from a night of interrogation. Had his beard ripped out and pulled at. Beaten and punched, blindfolded as they yelled at him, prophesy. 
just a thing. That wasn't me. Just enjoy his body. That was the loudest communion I've ever heard. wonderful you're all wonderful you all play such vital roles in this community i love you and i want to thank you so much for coming out and giving your weekend up to be with your other members other members of this amazing body so be blessed